Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be with you. For those who are in person, and I do know for those also at home, as some are uh, recovering from being sick. Um, before I dive into today's message, I feel like the Lord just just uh, stirring to want to put an encouragement specifically to the college students. College students, can you just raise your hand real quick? If you're a college student, I think you're mostly over here. Okay, awesome. So I'll just kind of look this way. But yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I was just praying and thinking, and uh, the Lord just wanted me to share uh, with you that God's got such a great plan ahead for you, and that even though maybe some of you have great clarity on this summer or what's coming up next, that he's got such a good plan. And uh, Crystal and I were super blessed uh, this past, well, just literally Friday and Saturday, we got to host uh, alumni of Clarkson, and because of this being online, I'm not going to share specific names or whatever, but one who went to become an engineer, did engineering for a couple of years, was married, and then God called him and his wife over to Asia uh, to essentially become missionaries. And it was just so cool. We were just hanging out with them literally yesterday and just hearing the stories of how God was just working in their heart. And I just want to give encouragement to you that God's got such good things in store for you in the future. And some of you might go directly into vocational you know, work where you shine brightly for Jesus. Others of you might be called to other nations. And actually, we've had several alumni that we support with our missions committee that actually serve in other nations. So I just want to encourage you that God has good plans for you. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. So yeah, we love you, college students. Just want to give that exhortation as I felt like the Lord leading. Um, so as Glenn just mentioned, we're doing a Kingdom Come series. We're resuming, if this is your first time or joining us. Uh, we've been in here for a couple of weeks before Palm Sunday and then Resurrection Sunday. And we'll be resuming in Matthew 6, when we ver- just four verses, verses 1 to 4. And the context of Jesus in this, this passage is he'll be looking at uh, doing certain things for the glory of God and not for ourselves. Because if we have to be honest, sometimes, at least I can talk about me, we can struggle, or I can struggle, to want to take the glory for certain things I do. Does anyone else struggle with that? <laughs> Sometimes we just call that pride, right? God, I want the, I want the attention to go to me and not to you. And we're going to look at that in a moment. But the context specifically Jesus will be talking about today is on the, the practice of giving to those in need. As Christians, here's a question, should we care for the poor? This is a question. Yes. Okay, cool. I was really hoping there would be a really strong yes. Yes, we should. And there's biblical precedent all over the place for why we should, Old Testament and New Testament. So I asked this question actually to, I have the privilege of serving on a board uh, with Helping Hands at Hanwell Falls. Most of you are aware of this organization. Uh, If you're not, they help the poor in Jesus' name. And it's made up of 12 board members with a bunch of volunteers from 10 different local churches. And the whole point is to serve the poor in Jesus' name. It's awesome. Ten different churches coming together. Does that get you excited when you think churches can actually work together? (laughs) We might think it, but sometimes like, where do we actually see that? Well, I know it's just one place, but at Helping Hands, that's happening. So I asked the board, what motivates you this past week to serve the poor? Like, is there a scripture verse, something you land on? Like, what gets you going? Like, why are you on this board? Like, why are you serving the poor so much? And the, the board members are just like, I'm like this, you know. I'm Jim, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just starting, you know, and, and, and these others are just like role model, like amazing men and women to just like serve the poor. So I just look up to them. I'm like, I want to be like you one day. But I asked them, and for time, I'm not going to be able to share all their responses, but I'll share three, three responses. So one of the board members, I asked, you know, what motivates you to serve the poor from scripture? So Betty Connolly, she goes to St. Patrick's Church. She said this, she says, Hebrews 13, one to two. She's like, that's where I go. That motivates me. And that says in Hebrews, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So cool. 
Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. And this for Betty is for her motivation from Scripture for why she wants to care for the poor. Uh, Tom Chapel, who's actually the director of Helping Hands, he also serves as a pastor at The Well in Colton. It's a church. Uh, he's just like instantly Matthew 25 exclamation point, and I'm just going to hone it in. Verse 37 and 40. It says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, speaking to Jesus, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king, this is Jesus, will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Is that not amazing? So Jesus is like literally the, the, those poor, those in prison, the mistreated. You, you reach out and serve them, you're actually serving the king. You're serving Jesus. And that's Tom just go to. And the last one I'm going to mention, uh, and there, I had to shorten this down. There's, there's just so much. I could have just mentioned this last person because she gave a really robust response. But this is Gail Tullock. Any Tullocks in the house? Woo, woo, woo. Got a little row back there. Yeah. Uh, Church of the Nazarene right here in Potsdam. Uh, she explained a little bit more. She's like, I really value being with Christians from a variety of churches and denominations. The Helping Hands Board enables this fellowship with brothers and sisters in the Lord from a lot of churches. I believe this is right and a real blessing. And Gail, I agree with you. Amen. As I read passages about caring for the needy, I saw that the Lord clearly instructs us to help them, and he promises to bless those who do. I wanted to be obedient in this, and I also wanted to receive God's blessings. It was in large part due to the following verses that led to my decision. And I'm just sharing a couple. She had an amazing email response. Uh, Proverbs 19:17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 22:9. The generous will themselves be blessed for their share, for they share their food with the poor. Psalm 41:1. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord will deliver him. And then Proverbs 14, I believe it's 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults their creator. Woo! But he who is generous to the needy honors God. Amen? I want to be honoring God, right? I'm just like, I want to be honoring God. Here's a real practical way. Let's love the poor in a way that glorifies God. Gail finishes with just two quotes from Mother Teresa um, that spoke to her. She says, if you can't, this is Mother Teresa, if you can't feed 100 people, then just feed one. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Amen? I don't know about you, but just reading these, I was like, wow, I was just encouraged. Just reading the email this morning, I was just encouraged, excited to share with you, but I'm like, I'm being encouraged right now, just reading what my brothers and sisters from other local churches are looking at God's word and being just inspired and motivated by so here are, I think, those examples are really good examples for why we serve the poor. Jesus is about to give us some examples for why we, or how we shouldn't be serving the poor. So I want to start with some really good ones locally, but I also want to look at Jesus as he's given us a warning of how we're not supposed to give to the poor. So let's look at Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4 as we continue the Kingdom Come series. Jesus says this in verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness, before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We're just going to stop there for a second. So beware of practicing your righteousness. And as 
Jesus is talking about this. He's not talking about like the inward righteousness that comes from Christ or that would come directly from him. He's talking more like an observable external righteousness. He says, beware, practice your righteousness. Or some translations will say like your righteous acts, like good deeds. Be careful of like doing good deeds before other people in order to be seen by them. And as we look at this, it really comes down to almost like be careful not to be a people pleaser. Someone with me this morning, right? That I'm living for the praise of another man or another woman. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I've struggled with this a lot, right? And I think we all have at different points. Am I doing good things to get the approval of other people, or am I doing good things for the praise, honor, and glory of King Jesus? And there's a difference, but it's often just seen in the heart. Sometimes there's external, you can realize, I think that person is trying to make it all about themselves. But honestly, I've been around a lot of great preachers, a lot of great worship leaders that did a lot of great things for God. I've also been around other ones that I'm like, I think, maybe, I don't know, but it seems like it might be singing their song to themselves. Or maybe they're just preaching to make themselves look really great. Unfortunately, in our culture, we'll see men and women who fall when they make themselves great in their own eyes. And we see that in the news recently. We all can do this. We all can sin and become prideful. And they'll fall because they made it more about themselves and then the king. And when that happens, that opens a whole gateway to a bunch of sins that any of us could fall into. So Jesus is giving this warning. And then he's giving three examples. We're only looking at one. We're going to look at almsgiving or giving to the poor. Next week, we're looking at prayer. And then the following week, we're looking at fasting. And these three religious exercises or spiritual disciplines for the Jewish community would have been something that they would have had to done as a duty. This wouldn't have been like an optional thing. This is like this is actually what you're supposed to do as a Jew. You're supposed to give to the poor, you're supposed to pray, and you're supposed to fast. And Jesus is starting with this warning for all three of these that he's about to mention. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. So we're just going to start with that as the intro, and then we'll specifically get into giving. So verse 2, let's go there. It says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites, hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. It gives us hope, but it also gives us caution. And God, I pray that we would all just be open to receive what you have for us from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says, when you give to the needy, verse 2, sound no trumpet before you. And as I was researching this, I was like, were people like literally taking out like a little like trumpet or something? Uh, shofar and being like, I'm giving to the needy. Look at me. You know, I'm like, uh, as I, I read commentaries, there's no, there's no example of that actually of someone doing that. Glenn, I actually thought about you bringing your little pocket trumpet and doing that right there, but I forgot to text you, but that would have been really fun. But yeah, there's not like a trumpet. Some of the offering boxes actually back in the day actually kind of looked like they were a trumpet. There was a trumpet sound actually given when the Jews would actually begin their prayer and fasting time, but not specifically when it came to offerings or givings. Um, some might look at this metaphorically, like just making a big announcement. I'm about to give, and you better check this out, you know. Here's my $20. It's going in. Anybody? No one's watching me? Should I even give if no one's going to praise me? <laughs> it's kind of like when we sometimes will we'll work harder when there's other people to cheer us on. 
But then when you're all by yourself, it's like, how hard do I work when no one's around, right? But if we have the heart that, Lord, I just want to glorify you, King Jesus, uh, it doesn't matter if people are around us, amen? It doesn't matter if we're completely by ourselves because we know we're still having an audience of one to God. So there's no big need to make some like, wow, look at me, I'm about to give. Jesus is actually saying, don't do the opposite. And he says, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And as we see in scripture, oftentimes, not all, but a lot of the religious leaders would unfortunately make a lot of things about themselves. And sometimes they would be judging other people's sins while at the same time doing the same sin, right? And we see that even today, we can see pastors and leaders, and like I said in the news, you'll see that, don't do this, but then you're caught doing that, right? And that would be a hypocrite, and that is so painful for, uh, for followers of that leader, right? So painful. Uh, it also mars, you know, the image of God. You know, this is not what we're supposed to do. But we also realize we're all sinners who fall short of the glory of God, amen? That we have to be careful when we're looking at other people on the news. Ah, oh, man, that person's wicked, that person's whatever. Realizing that if we're not careful, and be like, I would never do that. I'm so much better. We can fall into the same sin, right? So I just want to be careful. You know, you want to call out things that are wrong, but you also want to realize, Lord, have mercy on that soul. Because apart from the grace of God, I could be that same person. I could be the same person. But he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Uh, and, and in the Greek, originally, it was like this idea of being an actor, right? Someone that would just act and pretend, you know? And there's different versions of hypocrites. Sometimes you have hypocrites where they know they're doing something evil, right? But they're pretending for it to be good, you know? Like a, like a sheep in wolf's clothing. There's other hypocrites that, like, they actually are deceiving themselves, but they don't know it. In the book of James, it talks about that, not being deceived. You actually can deceive yourself. You look at the Word of God, you think you're doing great, you go away and don't apply it, and then you deceive yourself into thinking you actually applied it. You're actually living a hypocritical life, but you don't know it. But Jesus encouraged, don't live a life that has a lack of integrity. What you live in your heart needs to come out in your actions. Do not be as a hypocrite. Elsewhere in scripture, it shows that the religious leaders, the reason why oftentimes they would do this, even some of them wanted to follow Jesus, but because they were fearful, because they desired the praise of man more than God. I don't know about you, that's convicting. Am I desiring more the praise of other people or of God? Because when you're desiring the praise of people, you can kind of be like a chameleon that changes what they do just to try to impress somebody that you're around. And I'm sure we can think of people that do this, but let's not do that. Let's just think about ourselves. Are you the kind of person that's consistently the same when you're in the church building on Sundays for 60 to 90 minutes, when you're at work at Monday, or maybe you're retired, or you're in school, when you're with your Christian friends, but also when you're with your non-Christian friends? I really hope we have non-Christian friends. Amen? If not, let's go get some. <laughs> let's go get some. Let's go be in the world. But let us be consistent. And if you realize there's an inconsistency as the Holy Spirit speaks to you in times of prayer, just ask for repentance. Lord, forgive me that I'm changing who I am as a Christian based on who I'm around because I'd rather receive the praise, you know? When I'm out at a restaurant, am I the same person with my non-Christian friends in the way that I love, in the way I talk about you? Or do I change things and become more like a hypocrite than one that's just true from the inside out? Jesus continues saying, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. If you're going for human praise and that's your only, that's your MO, your mission operative, whatever, then that's all you got. Great. You gave some money to the poor. 
awesome, you must be a really nice person. Like, that's literally, he's like, that's, Jesus is like, that's what you get. But Jesus is saying there's a better reward. <laughs> there's a better way of doing this. And verse 3 talks about it. But when you give to the needy, it says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And Jesus is really trying to make clear that we shouldn't even almost to ourselves focus on the glory going to ourselves. When you're giving, don't even to yourself make it like a big deal. Like, I'm amazing. Because we could, let's be honest, we could still be prideful without telling anyone, right? <laughs> I know I can. It's like, well, no one's around, but I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. God, I'm like, you know, not that bad. But I'm a little bit better, you know, and I gave some money, so. We don't want that. When it comes, I don't, it's so about the king getting glory that like the left hand won't know what the right hand is. I know some people will apply this as like, let's just anonymously give gifts to people, which you can do that remotely. And maybe some of you do that. You're like, I'm going to, the Lord prompts, you know, Holy Spirit prompts you. I'm going to give a cash gift anonymously to somebody. Like that's totally cool. But we'll also see in Matthew 5, just a couple verses earlier, that Jesus is making it clear that we're supposed to be like a city on a hill, like a light that shines brightly, that when people see our good works, what will they do with that? Anybody? To glorify the Father in heaven, right? So you also get this aspect that you, if you see someone who's hungry on the street, I know in Potsdam we don't have this scenario as much, but there's people that are hungry or in need, okay, you could throw the cash, you know, around the corner and run, and they don't see you, right? <laughs> and they might be confused, right? And that's not very, like, relationally. How, how's God going to get the glory with that? They just saw some person run and throw cash. Maybe they took the money. Who knows, right? But the idea of, like, hey, I'm going to help someone in need. They need a meal or whatever. Do it in such a way that still it gives glory to God in heaven. Are you with me this morning? Right? So if you want to do anonymous giving, that's great. But also there's going to be opportunities where you just want to do that. I remember Chris and I were, were traveling recently, and, uh, and uh, there, was a, there was a homeless uh, man that came up to our car. And was looking for food, had a sign and everything. I so appreciate Crystal because she was so quick, you know, to just be like, you know what, what do we got in the car? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, I'm in the car, you know. And she's like, uh, we got some water bottles and we got some granola bars, right? So she quickly, which is awesome because it's like literally a split second, 10 seconds, like she quickly just got our granola bars, our backpack, our water bottles, everything we had that was like you could eat. We just gave it to the, she gave it right to the person, right? I was just thinking like, wow, that's really cool, Crystal. Like you were quick on it. But she didn't make it about herself. She wasn't like rolling up the window. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I gave to the poor. I came up with a song that you shouldn't sing publicly. No, she's like so, so chill. And like it was all about God. Like what a cool opportunity to serve someone in need. We want that heart aspect. And really it comes down to the heart. Verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus doesn't make any specific example what that reward will be. I just read a bunch of verses in Proverbs and Psalms that actually talks about, that's what actually Gail Tolick mentioned. Um, there's blessings for giving, um, but the blessings and rewards that God give us most often are not material. <laughs> because in our world, material gain, right, money, that, like, that's oftentimes, sometimes we struggle with, that's the best thing. Even Jesus said, uh, evil parents or dads will give, you know, their kids good gifts. How much more will I give you the Holy Spirit? God has better gifts than just materials and money, amen? amen? And so if you're thinking, like, I'm just going to give to the poor, or I'm going to tithe or give an offering to New Hope, that way I can get credit with Jesus, so that way I have some kind of righteousness before him, know that that's just religion. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And nor is it saying, I'm going to give to the poor, here's $100 to someone in need, and I'm, I'm believing that God's going to give me 8% interest back on that 100 right? That way I can keep up with inflation. It's like, a, you know, a class I government bond. You know, it's just kind of like, sweet, I got this. That's not at all. 
It's giving in a way that, Lord, I want to give, give you glory, and yeah, I'm just going to live there. God, you've always been blessing me before I gave the money. I'm just thankful to be able to give that or the food or the time, whatever the Lord shows you to do. So I'm going to move in as I'm wrapping up into some verses on boasting. I felt like the Lord wanted me to highlight. We want to give in such a way that gives glory to God, not to ourselves. And that comes from a life that's committed daily. We have to choose this day who will serve. That comes to a place that we're realizing, God, if, if, if life was like a stage, am I the person in the middle of the stage getting all the glory? Or am I pointing to you as the one that this life is all about? And clearly we see in Scripture, it's all about God. It's not about us. Boasting. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 5 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. 1 Corinthians 1, 28 to 29. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Whew. But he said to me, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Are you weak this morning? I know what it's like to be weak. This grace, this is, this is, this is versus comfort. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Do you notice what he's saying? Of my weaknesses. How many times are we boasting in our strength? I'm such a good this. I have so much of that. I accomplished this. I got that degree, whatever, you know? No. Boast in the weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me because we want to elevate Jesus. Amen? Elevate Jesus. This past Monday at our uh, prayer and praise thing at Crystal and I host at our house from 8 to 9, I was really appreciated. Uh, we just have time to listen to the Lord. And it's actually Christian who's in the sound booth. We're just listening. And Christian got this word from God that was just uh, like reminding us to look at John the Baptist, who was the one that was foretelling for, for that Jesus would come, the Messiah. John the Baptist say, may I decrease and may Christ increase. I really appreciate you, Christian, sharing that. And that really, that really uh, just spoke to us as a group actually, in that moment. But that's the prayer. May I decrease, and may you increase, Lord. One more, or two more verses. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 to 18. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved. It's not the one that's saying, I am this, or I am that, who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. (laughs) The one that God says he's approved. When we get to be with Jesus one day, we're not going to go up to Jesus and say, I've been a good and faithful servant, right? That's not what we want to hear. We want to hear Jesus say to you or me, well done, good and faithful servant, amen? That the Lord is the one commanding, that his recognition, his praise, his voice, his affirmation is what we desire more than any other person or thing. Matthew 23, 12 says this, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever exhausts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exhausted. And I know I went into a boasting theme. You're like, how does this connect to giving? It's because I feel like the Lord really wanted me to focus on, it's really all about the heart. If our heart's in a place of humility, in a place of like we're exalting Jesus, then when opportunities come to give, which hopefully are regularly for all of us, we're looking for opportunities to serve the poor, whether it's organized or not organized, whether it's in the moment or you planned it ahead of time, whether the Holy Spirit just prompted on you or you just thought of it, however that works, we want to do it for the glory of God. I want to invite up uh, the musicians at this time. We'll be uh, closing a song and then a benediction uh, in a moment. 
And I wanted to read as a closing prayer, a prayer I recently, uh, I actually shared with the Monday group um, that I've been reading from this book called uh, Spirit Walk. This book actually has been super helpful for me growing um, in the Lord. I'm halfway through it. If you're looking for a book to read, you're like, I really want to grow in just listening to the Lord, hearing God's voice. I know for some of you that's really easy. Like You're like, oh yeah, I hear God. But also as I talk to people, I realize some of us struggle a lot with hearing the voice of God. It's like, how do you... How do you make decisions? Like, how, how did you know that? Or how did the Lord just prompt you on the spot to help this homeless person? Well, it has to do with walking in step with the Spirit. We don't want to be a step with the flesh, but step in the Spirit. That's Galatians 5. This book has been amazing. But there's a prayer I want to read as I close. And we'll sing a song about giving glory to God. He's the Alpha and Omega, meaning in the beginning and the end of the alphabet and beyond. He's everything. But this prayer is to glorify God. So let's take a moment just to be in a place to receive as I read this prayer. And then we'll sing a song and a benediction. Prayer to glorify God. Father in heaven, you alone are the king. You alone deserve all the fame on this earth. I deserve none of it. I confess that my ambitions have too often been centered upon myself, my happiness, my control, my reputation, and my name. In my old nature, this was my natural way of living. But I want to change all that. It is hard because I don't know what you will say. But I know you are good and loving. Therefore, whatever you speak will be for your great glory and my great delight. I only want to serve you and make you famous. So, Father, I'm asking you to show me how to make your name more famous through my life. Glorify your name through me. Forgive me for asking you, what is your will for my life? Instead, show me your will, period. Show me what you're doing in this world and in our generation. Let me understand that you be based on your word and not my own ideas. As you unfold your will, uh, then would you allow me the privilege of serving you and your cause in this world. Show, show me how my life can best serve you and make you most famous. As Samuel prayed as a child, so I speak. So I pray, speak, for your servant hears. 1 Samuel 3.9 I surrender my dreams, aspirations, and hopes to live only for you. Make me someone who makes me famous. Oh, no, sorry, that's exactly what we don't want. Make me someone who makes you famous. God, I pray, as I stumble over reading, that, Lord, we would be just somebodies, someones who make you famous, Lord, in Jesus' name.